Hello and welcome in to episode 15 of Free Rambling Men, a country music podcast. How are you, Sturdy? On the plus side, I think this is the first day in about a fortnight when the sort of chesty dry cough thing has uh, begun to lift. Happy days. Well, it lifted maybe just in time then for your debut on national radio, huh? Yes, Absolute Radio Country. Two shows in the bag. Hopefully there's more. We'll see. We'll see. Watch this space. Watch his socials. So I'll give you those at the end. Um, this is the part where you ask me how I am, surely. John. <laughs> John, how are you? How's your week been? Oh my goodness. I'm doing rightly. I'm doing rightly. We are recording this on Sunday, the 5th of February. Um, so yeah, we normally record on a Saturday. So it's a bit of a different vibe, maybe a little bit later in the day that we're recording this. So I can't even tell you that I did a park run. I mean, I did do it yesterday, played football this morning. Um, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl this day next week, Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah, I'm actually doing a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a Super Bowl preview on the radio tomorrow night for, um, for Radio Ulster. See, I'm out of many talents, Sturdy. I don't just, I'm not just limited to country music. I feel like I have to keep talking here just to cover Stuart lifting his beer, putting it to his mouth, drinking, swallowing. Is it a cold beer? It's a long neck cold beer and it's never broke my heart. <laughs> Very good. Very good. It's almost like you had that prepared. Almost. 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 Well, uh, here, I've got something to tell you, though. Do tell. Okay. Got me intrigued. The guy in my apartment building who's only ever seen to be standing outside the main front door, no matter what day of the week, no matter what time of day, eight o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, always in a dressing gown and slippers smoking his brains out. So as I say, I moved into this apartment about a year ago and over the past 12 months, sporadically, I encountered this individual and, uh, you know, I'll be like, hey, how's it going? And the most I ever get out of him is, oh, all right, like, that's it, right? <laughs> no, he... <laughs> It was only last month. There was a day in the afternoon when I was leaving to go to work and I opened my front door and coincidentally, he opened his apartment door and it turns out we're actually neighbours. So I said to him off the cuff, because it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, you are living my dream. And he went, what do you mean by that? And I said, because you're just always in a dressing gown and slippers smoking. You're like Hugh Hefner. And he went, today's my day off. like So I'm just sort of chillaxing. So last night I come home from work fairly late and it's a Saturday like, and uh, you know, it's been a pretty towering week. And as I'm about to put the key in my front door, I turn my head to his door and there are banners, which are currently, as we speak, still stuck to the door on the floor. Someone has gifted a bouquet of flowers, a box of milk tray chocolates and a bottle of champagne. And on the banners, it says, congratulations, happy engagement. And here's the part that I'm struggling with. And I've been thinking about this all day. So all I've done this week, I haven't looked up. I've worked all week. I am completely drained. And I'm coming home on a Saturday night to a cold, lonely, silent apartment. And this guy who never gets dressed, who's unshaven, who, <laughs> if he works, can only be working from home. And he's managed to get a woman. How do you know it's a woman? He's maybe tapped into the fact that, like, I'm almost jealous of the fact that he never has to get dressed. So he's maybe now taking it to another level where he's not really engaged. He's just putting stuff on his door to wind me up. <laughs> Literally, this entire thing just seems like a sketch from a from a show. You should add this to your show. I always joke to you when you tell me these stories of, I don't know, your workplace, colleagues, so on. The stories that happen maybe sometimes there that you should write this all down 
and uh, pitch it to somebody. It is literally gold, comedy gold. I'll be surprised within the next month if I don't arrive home and there's something on his door saying, my family let me stay for the full duration of Christmas. I was made to feel welcome. <laughs> I was thinking maybe maybe for a second there, there's going to be a bit of a twist in the, uh, you know, the flowers, the chocolates, etc. Were, were for you to congratulate you in your, your national radio debut. Out of instant frustration, tiredness, I was like, this guy's in gate. I'm just going to nick the chocolates. <laughs> Milk tray, like milk tray, get milk in there. Tray. <laughs> well, what's going on in the country music world, Sturdy? Okay, so sitting at the top of the American country media based charts, it's at number one, as I say. It's on course, I believe, to spend a second week at number one. Nate Smith and Whiskey on You. No, I ain't gonna waste another drop of whiskey on you. We joke on a weekly basis now, it seems like that media base have these two charts, but at least Nate Smith, Whiskey on You is the top both of them. And indeed, Billboard's country airplay charts. So it is the number one song at US Country Radio. This is significant. At the top of the Billboard Country Albums chart, we have a new number one. Oh, I, I've seen this. I've seen this. Yeah. 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 Selling 55,000 copies in its first week of release. Hardy, The Mockingbird and The Crow has finally knocked Morgan Wallen's Dangerous A Double album off number one. Morgan would be uh, only all too happy to give his uh, his buddy, his friend Hardy, that honour of topping the, the Billboard Country album chart. Isn't that right? As we're about to talk about in a little more depth, uh, Morgan's got a brand new album coming. So enjoy your time at the top, Hardy. <laughs> Let's just round up the uh, the chart chat and just say that there's been no move at the Hot Country Songs chart. Um, Zach Bryan, something in the orange, is atop there. And uh, otherwise, other than the American charts, what about Ireland, Stuart? You usually give us a little update on the Irish country charts, don't you? Claudia Buckley and Honeybee has moved aside. Oh Do you know what? Goodness. I'm going to say it. And it's controversial. I really like Claudia Buckley's Honeybee. <laughs> don't nobody know my The new chart topper is from a Canadian country star, Amanda Keels or Kells or Keelis. I don't know. The song's called Blame It on the Moonlight. Blame it on the moonlight. Blame it on the candlelight. Shall we add in the charts, Judy, this week and, and go to the uh, the top songs? Well, a top iTunes UK. <laughs> You'll love this, Judy. Number one, Shania Twain. Giddy up. And the classic, the timeless, the baritone Josh Turner at number two, your man. What a song, my man. We should have a drop in the podcast for Baby Lock Them Doors and Turn Them Lights. Last week when I was battling my chesty thing, I was enjoying challenging myself with uh, songs that are sung in a lower key. So I think the most popular, judging by the feedback from uh, my WhatsApp voice note audience, was uh, the crash test dummies? Was there was this gear? See, I can't do it right now because my chest is lifting. I follow a guy on TikTok. Um, speaking of my resurgence into TikTok, I haven't seen him actually this time around. But my last TikTok trip around the sun, um, there's this guy and he sings in like corridors and like you know empty hallways and staircases and like these public buildings or whatever. I don't know what sort of buildings they are, but they're empty anyway. And he's just like, oh. oh. 
do and it's incredible it's genuinely incredible but anyway i want to get to uh this itunes country chart we'll just call it because uh <laughs> number 12 right there's a song from alora lynn do you know that that name no well maybe you know the song i ain't a bitch <laughs> Funny, quite a few people have rung me this week when I've been on the radio asking for me to play that song. Really? And I'd never heard of it. It's only because people keep requesting it that I then looked into it. The first phone call when they said, what's the name again? Alora Lynn. I said in quite a patronizing tone, I think you mean Loretta Lynn. But no, <laughs> it turns out I was wrong, do you know? Also, who's called Alora? I think you'd be called Astur. Alora Elena. But I mean, I've heard the song. It's all right. You know, if it had been something really special, I would have uh, done more about it. But you just do the usual. Yep. If I've got time, I'll see if I can squeeze it in. <laughs> there are some interesting songs in this. I mean, you know, the fact that Tiger Lily Gold are in here, who recently just changed their name and added the, the gold. Shania Twain's twice inside the top 10. You know, you've got other classics from... Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, Islands in the Stream, Keziah Gill's in there. It's an eclectic mix, isn't it? John Denver, Kenny Rogers. It's a bit kind of like the Irish country chart, isn't it, maybe? Even Lil Nas X rounds out the top 25. How come we've never mentioned Old Town Road in the podcast with Billy Ray Cyrus? This is like a, a university study. It's like a dissertation, this. You could do it on, I mean, at 63 and 64, Shania Twain, back to back. That don't impress me much. And man, I feel like a woman. Only to be beaten out at 62 by Lone Star's Amazed. This is just incredible. Nate, I've just seen that Claudia Buckley rounds out the top 100. Honeybee, Claudia Damn right. Buckley. Go on, girl. Can we get Claudia Buckley on the podcast or have I crossed the line? Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Very good. Nate, just funny about it, right? It's not even the, the number one honey in the top 100. Two above that at number 98 is a song called Honey by Rian Johnson. This chart goes on forever. 197 songs. Nope, 200. Just had a note of the last three. Do you know who's in here? Megan McKenna. I remember once being offered an interview with Megan McKenna. Isn't she from like The Only Way is Essex or yeah. one of those? Yeah. And do you remember she was like a UK country artist for a while? Well, you say for a while. I think she's still pursuing it. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> High heel shoes is a number 185 wow. on the iTunes chart. If you want to see. My childhood has just come back to me. Billy Joe Spears at number 162, blanket on the ground. What about the crystal chandelier? I remember the red cassette that we used to have in the car. Oh, the crystal chandelier light up the paintings on your wall. <laughs> the marble statuettes are standing stately oh, in the hall. Well, surely beyond chart news, what else is going on in the country music world? So Morgan Wallen, let's get to that. He announced at the beginning of the week that uh, his third album is coming on the 3rd of March. It's called One Thing at a Time. It's going to feature a mega 36 songs. I can't believe he's topping Dangerous, the double album. There's collaborations on there with Eric Church, Hardy and Ernest. And with the announcement of the new album coming uh, the same evening, I think it was Monday of the week, he uh, 
released three of the songs for streaming and downloading. One's called Everything I Love, one's called Last Night, and one's called I Wrote the Book. So isn't this interesting, right? Morgan's not decided to beat Zach Bryan's American Heartbreak by two songs with the release of this new album, a 36-song-long album. Zach Bryan's was 34. And as we know from, do you remember that video that Gritty Smith did where he compiled all of the figures? YouTube country music commentator, by the way. He compiled all the figures uh, that artists were releasing of their streams, total number of streams throughout the year in 2022, and also their total number of listeners. And then we got this sort of um, passion rating of streams per listen and so on. And, you know, Zach Bryan obviously was was very high there. Morgan Mullen was very high there. But I mean, Dangerous, the double album, it was 30. So why 36? Is it because it beats 34? Because it beats Zach Bryan? I mean, he's clearly going for all the streaming records. That's what I referenced in my uh, in my uh, sharing of the, of the news. I understand it's a sign of the times we live in, as you say, with streaming. But... And I would say this about Dangerous the Double Album, as much as I love that release, do you not think you're better to almost like pick 12 to 15 that are the best of the best as opposed to 36? And there's a lot of average in there. Well, I'll tell you what, a man named Austin Basler at Austin Talks Music on Twitter would probably agree with you because uh, he tweeted saying, in case y'all were wondering, these songs are not good. I shared this with you because uh, then I shared the quote tweet from Parker McCollum who says, no, you just don't like them. If somebody likes it and he thinks it's good, then it's good to them. People talk shit and everything in this world every single day on this app. Let music be the one thing we just let be. Promote what you love and forget about what you don't like. He's actually just standing up and making a point and saying music is the one thing that we have that uh, that can't be tainted by negativity. So don't be negative. It's like Kissy Musgrave's song. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. I know this album is going to be huge and I know there will be golden songs on there, but I actually felt with the three that he put out and you wouldn't expect him at this point to be putting out the strongest, but I thought they were a little underwhelming. I listened to them finally after, um, after hearing your thoughts about them being underwhelming and, and seeing that guy's thoughts and then seeing Parker quote tweet him and so on, on Twitter. By the way, I think that guy follows me, lol, um, on Twitter. He must think I'm a voice of authority. <laughs> Little does he know. Um, <laughs> speaking of the songs, though, last night, I mean, I just thought this tune is an earworm. By the time I listened to it about five times later, it's an absolute earworm. No way it was our last night. I love it really now more than ever. And uh, probably upon sixth listen, I'll like it even more again. I love it even more again. Look, I don't think it does anything revolutionary or necessarily these songs do, but I don't think they need to, you know, or maybe that's just my bias toward Morgan Wallen talking, but Morgan Wallen has decided to release new music. I'm excited about it. I listened to it. Yeah. Did I enjoy it? Yes. I think that's as simple as the question and answer needs to be. The collaborations. I'm very keen to hear those, the church, the hardy, the earnest ones. And, uh, he maybe is, arguably, now he's moving into stadiums. Maybe he's sort of moving into that phase that a lot of artists do where they're writing more for the stage. To me, this just says one thing and one thing only, and that's streaming. Streaming records, you know? Like, Let's look, have a look at the other, the other songs, though. Everything I Love. Can't you see what you're doing, girl? You know damn near everything I love. It's a song summed up in the line, Baby, why'd I ever take the bait and take you places that I love to go? I kind of like that idea, you know? I like that idea of of maybe uh, you've got this relationship and this this other half of you has uh, has ruined all the places that you once loved. You know, maybe you shouldn't have shared them in the first place. I think there is something about that in a relationship. Maybe just there's something you hold back. It makes me think of a Cody Johnson song. Don't always tell her everything you're thinking. We talked about this idea of going into songs of advice and songs that really have like deep meaning before. I'd like to, I'd like to do that someday and talk about Cody Johnson and that song. 
But can I say, finally, somebody's justified my decision to constantly take women on a first date to the hairdressers, the tax office, and the dentist. <laughs> sure wrote the book on it. Oh, what a link into. I wrote the book. Lots of attitude in that song. I actually really liked it. Production-wise, it's a hip-hop song. Yeah. Morgan's sound is so eclectic. Do you think so? You know, one song to the next. I mean, especially in this this three-song uh, release. I mean, you're hardly saying that everything I love is is the sound of I wrote the book, or even last night. As you've said, we're recording this on a Sunday, and I noticed that you watched this um, comedic clip on social media of Morgan being interviewed by this obvious comedian. It's oh. very, very funny. Well, last time I was with you, you refused to have a charity. Well, I've fixed that now. Started off as more than my hometown foundation, which you, last time we did this, you didn't know the actual name of that song. But I've just recently changed it to the Morgan Wallen Foundation. Oh, really? Yes. Can I donate to it? Oh, I mean, if you want to do it in person like this right here. This is my Morgan Wallen card. Okay. It's canceled, <laughs> but it still works somehow. <laughs> well, let's see it. Go ahead and take his information down. Hey, five dollars. <laughs> Do you not feel like, and maybe it's common, maybe it's common with the release of the album, but for a guy who, alongside Luke Combs, is dominating country music, do you not feel like you'd love someone to sit, like a Zane Lowe or, you know, someone to sit mm. down with Morgan Wallen and really get a bit of substance out of him as opposed to just always it trying to be a joke? Yes, I, I appreciate that. One. We will shout out Caleb Presley, by the way, in Barstool Sports. That's what that was from. Um he did a, a Sunday conversation, S-U-N-D-A-E, Sunday conversation. Um, they're incredible, by the way, that, those series of interviews. Um, I, I actually just discovered this girl. Is it Amelia de Moldenberg or something? The UK one, the English girl, who effectively does the same thing over here in the side of the world. It's chicken shop dates. I've only just right. discovered her. Oh, and yes, I love those. They're yeah, hilarious. She was interviewing like, uh, Patty the Batty. Well, so if you're familiar with that and you're not familiar with this, then effectively this is an American version of that. I don't know what came first there, the chicken or the egg, but um, I see Killer Presley. I don't know if it's reciprocated maybe, but I see Killer Presley certainly, like, certainly liking uh, her stuff. I think maybe she has liked some of his stuff as well, but his are wildly successful. Like he got the like world's ex- first exclusive interview with, you know, Hasbala. Right. You okay. know, and, uh, and he's done Luke Combs before. But yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. Bit of a deeper conversation. But the, the problem with that shirt is that somebody's then inevitably going to delve into the whole kind of racist incident it would be interesting to see the kind of like list of um you know prospective interviewers that morgan would even allow to to ask him questions you know i can't think of too many do you know what though as i said to you earlier this week i was surprised by how good of an interview bobby bones got out of both morgan evans and charles kelly oh yeah we should probably speak about that i haven't seen the charles kelly one but you sent me the morgan evans video um and of course as we always give sure or you always give the the weekly update on um on kelsey ballerini's love life right or Chia stokes <laughs> oh my goodness um you said morgan evans maybe wasn't i don't know fit to be promoting this song or something or that was the vibe that you got maybe off the uh, off the interview with bobby bones but I, I had a look at it and i just i kind of heart broke for him you know i think so highly of him because I, I interviewed him once and it wasn't in person. It was it was down the phone line or, you know, over some sort of link or something uh, in the BBC. And he could not have been more forthcoming with his time. And he was just a gentleman. So uh, I've, I've always thought very highly of him. And um, 
Yeah, so my heart kind of went out to him when I watched that interview. I just got a vibe that rightly so, he's throwing himself into work. But the issue with that is part of that job is to constantly talk about your latest single, which is off the back of your divorce. So it's even Bobby, I thought Bobby referenced it and highlighted that point in a very respectful way. One of the things I took from that interview, right? Isn't it, uh, it's Bobby's kind of uh, co-host, kind of counterpart, sidekick, whatever you want to say. Amy, isn't that her name? Amy? I think I followed her on Instagram for a period of time, back when I was obsessed with the Bobby Bones show and I've forgotten her name, so forgive me. But anyway, she, she made a comment to Morgan about a particular line in the song. And it was the line, um, I would have let go if you wanted me to. Yeah. Uh, something that was busy. She was she was trying to say that it was very mature sort of thing. And he went, right. And I was just thinking, yeah, he must have wrote that line. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He had like no reaction to it. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not even 100% sure he's heard the song. <laughs> so your mates, Carly Pierce. Mm. She's announced this week that she's releasing a live album. It was recorded in April of last year during a concert at Marathon Music Works in Nashville. It features special guests Lee Bryce, The Isaacs, Matthew West, Janae Fleener and Ashley McBride. This album's coming out on the 24th of March. Oh man, I I don't know what to say. Me and Carly, we've still got a ways to go. Michael Ray has less issues with Carly at this point. (laughs) He does. He's got... (laughs) That's a very fair point. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness so i mentioned ashley mcbride there she features in a new collaboration with dirks bentley it's a song called cowboy boots it's out now and it's going to appear on dirks's upcoming 10th studio album that's why they call them cowboy boots. so reba mcintyre has just opened a new bar restaurant and live music venue in atoka oklahoma the fifteen thousand square foot venue features plenty of her plaques there's also pieces from her wardrobe on display the third floor randomly is a library with uh, comfy couches and floor-to-ceiling bookshelves the library is called jack's library in tribute to her mother jacqueline who passed away in 2020 at 93 reba has been heavily involved they always say this in the uh, menu items so if you ever find yourself john in atoka oklahoma at reba's place Uh, You can chow down on things like slow-smoked brisket, Nashville hot chicken, banana pudding jars, and strawberry shortcake. Unreal. Sounds great, mate, but I'm not going to lie. I spent this entire time thinking of why the fact you decided to include that it was 15,000 square feet. (laughs) Like, what relative measurement have I got to go by to make picture that in my mind? Oh, it's 15,000? Oh, not 20,000? No, no. To me, it sounded big. I mean, how big is 15,000 square feet? It could be small, could it? I love to imagine, though, that you walk in and uh, Reba greets you. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Reba's place, Atoka, Oklahoma. Have you ever been in Jason Aldean's restaurants on Broadway in Nashville? I think we just took a peek in. Joking, of course. I met her down in Aldean. I wish this podcast was visual because your eyes were popping out of your head as you were doing that. Broadway girls, Broadway girls. I want to learn the rap part, the little Dirk part, you know? All right, yeah, that's what you want to do is a white man learn the rap uh, during his collaboration with the guy nearly cancelled for being a racist. (laughs) So um, last weekend, a 23-year-old man by the name of Anthony Kevin Wade 
was arrested at Jason Aldean's bar in Nashville for apparently at one stage dropping his trousers and peeing on some of the customers. Did you send me a voice note about this or something? Where did I see this or hear this? It was you, obviously, it must have been. I can't think of anybody else who will have told you this. <laughs> um, but my favorite part about this is whenever you read it in various serious news outlets, in a serious tone, they'll say, <laughs> the Nashville police, when they arrived on the scene, described Anthony as being in an extreme state of intoxication. <laughs> and you know what I couldn't help but think? To get that drunk in one of those bars on Broadway, you've got to spend some serious money. Oh my goodness, mate. When Rihanna and I went, we got like, I don't know what it was, two vodka lemonade, say, for sake of argument. Both of them, it was like $24. Yeah. Scandalous, scandalous behavior. So lastly, just to finish off, because it ties into what we're then moving on to, Kane Brown, he had just completed a UK tour. He then moved on to perform some European dates, but uh, the tour was uh, cut short because he was apparently seriously ill. Well, feel better, Kane Brown. But sure, how was his health when he was speaking to you? Was it okay? He was fine. It was me that was struggling. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. But you spoke to him anyway. And how did that conversation go? He's always a very surprisingly humble, down-to-earth guy who, uh, it's funny, you know, there's so much clear ambition that radiates with so many artists. And Kane just seems to be really just going with the flow. Hey, this is Kane Brown, and you're listening to the Free Rambling Men podcast. Baby, I love you like I love country music. So, Kane, you finished a run of UK dates on Saturday night in London, and it's been three years since the last time you were over. So, you know, how have you found the shows and what's it been like to come all the way back over and see how much your fan base has grown? It's been amazing. Um, I found out that we've almost, or we doubled basically our fan base from last time I was in London. So that's awesome. And then also, too, it's been cool because I feel like I've really found myself on stage at least a lot more than I have before when I was here last. Yeah. So it's cool just to get to share that with the fans. And, and I've heard so much positive feedback. And, you know, I can't wait to hopefully keep growing and keep coming back over here. You've always had this real swagger on stage, but you do seem to be a lot more confident and loose as a performer right now. Is that something you think that's just come with experience? Um. Yeah, and just, you know, finding myself being different i used to you know worry about what people thought about me and cared and now i, I guess growing up and being a dad you just don't really yeah you don't really worry about those things anymore um and it's just kind of my happy place i just have fun now i feel like if i have fun everybody else has fun now a few weeks ago i got to speak with the guys from restless road they're obviously over in the uk they've been opening the shows for you and i know they're signed to your label and this is a group that came out of the american version of the x factor and at one point you were nearly a member of what is it about those guys that made you want to put the investment the time the money the effort into giving them the best possible chance to develop as a band and to give them that platform to be able to build an audience for themselves um, well, not only do I know that they're hungry for it, uh, I think they're super talented. They're a great group of guys. They're funny. They just need a chance. They just need that shot. And so I was just going to give it to them. And, you know, so far they've been killing it. Yeah. Uh, they've been on the road with me for, you know, two years now. Wow. And uh, they're growing. 
Now, your current single, Thank God, is obviously a collaboration with your wife, Caitlin. I know it was written by Christine Davis, Kyle Fishman, Jackson Free, Josh Hogue and Jared Mullins. How did you get a hold of this song? And did your wife take much convincing to duets on it with you? Because I have to say, she has the most stunning voice. There's like shades of Ariana Grande in there. You did, and you do, and he knew, thank God for giving me you. It wasn't hard at all to convince her because we've been looking for a song for, you know, like five years. And um, Josh Hogue, that's a writer on it, is actually signed to me um, on my publishing side. Uh, he sent me the song Jackson Free also. Uh, I actually just had him here uh, in Europe the last uh, week writing other music. Um, so that's how I got the song, and I'm so grateful I did because uh, when I showed her, she immediately fell in love with it. And so it was really easy to convince her to get on the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the funniest thing was she thought she was going to have a little a little song on the project, and I told her it's probably going to be it's definitely going to be the biggest song on the album. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> There's uh, 17 tracks on your latest album, Different Man, and you were a co-writer on 15 of them. I've heard you say what you find quite interesting. I've never heard an artist admit this before that your mood when you walk into a room for a writing session can very much set the tone. And um, can you elaborate a wee bit more about that? I have crazy mood swings. Mm-hmm. You know, the weather can change my mood, whatever. But uh, if I go in and I'm like, you know, kind of down, more than likely we're going to write a, a depressing song in my feelings, you know? Yeah. And then if I'm uh, super happy, then I, I usually want an up-tempo, you know, fun radio song. Mm-hmm. I've really found out that what type of songs are going to work towards radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I'm like, man, I don't have any more songs for radio. Like, we need to focus on that. And the hardest part is if I'm in a bad mood to write that radio song. So I usually, if, if I don't get it within 45 minutes, I don't want to waste anybody's time because I don't want to waste mine. So I'll just leave. I think my favorite thing you've ever done so far is Whiskey Sour. And you've been teasing us that this may or may not be a next single. Can you tell me a bit about this? And it kills me by the hour. Now I take my whiskey sours alone. I see. So I want to take it as a single. but and, and a lot of people have been asking me, you know, why I don't play it in my sets and and all that. But it's like the sad slow songs take so long for the climb up the charts yes and so then that just pushes you back as an artist and so then i'm like well how long do i have you know as an artist because i want to get as much music out as possible uh so i'm like you know if, if people really love that song and really like it then they'll blow it up and stream it and then it's a no-brainer that I have to take it to radio. Mm-hmm. Now, the title track off the Different Man album is a collaboration with Blake Shelton, and I know you guys performed it not that long ago together on the season finale of the American version of The Voice. How did the collaboration with Blake come about? What if I was made for the stage? What if I was made for the lights? Um, I was listening to that song, and I was headed to the gym, and I was thinking about a, a collaborator on it. Blake Shelton popped in my head just because his uh, his song God's Country and uh, the music at that time that he started to release it it sounded like it and so I, I shot him a text over the song and you know even before I got to the gym he texted me back and he said dude this is awesome he said I'm, I'm jump on I'm gonna jump on it so then we waited like a month or two and he went to L A to record and 
sent it back, and that was it. You co-wrote the song Grand, which I adore, with Cameron Alexander and Mike Posner. How did that song come together? Because it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a change for you. I actually have a lot of songs like that. I just sit on them. Um, and so that one, you know, I just kept showing to my friends and we showed it to the labels and everybody was just saying that they really like it. So then I, you know, I put it on TikTok and it got like 637,000 likes or something like that. And uh, we were like, shoot, we should just put it out and see how it does. And um, I kept going back and forth with myself. Uh, it wasn't going to go on the album. And then literally like probably the last... The last second I could have got, I was like, nah, this is going on there. Last year, you performed grand at the VMAs and made history as the first male country artist to ever perform at that award show. You have this ability to blur music genres with such fearless ease, and you're a real trailblazer. Can you tell me a bit about how lockdown influenced you to perhaps lean heavier into that? Um, I would just say lockdown, you know... I was really like depressed. Uh, you know, you didn't know what was gonna what was gonna happen with music or touring or you know that was our jobs and you know a lot of other people's jobs. You just, it was very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I was like, you know, once I get back on the road, which when I did, I just found a whole nother person uh, that I didn't even know existed in myself. And then I had I had a you know babies. And uh, it just changed me altogether of just not being worried about anything. People are always going to judge you no matter what you do. And it's your life. So you can either live it scared or you can just do what you want and be happy. It surprises me that you would be so perhaps conscious of other people's opinions because it very much doesn't come across. My comeback was just to, to message you on uh, social media and basically make let my fans know so then they go at you instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've developed quite the relationship with Uber producer Dan Hoff. Um, what have you learned from working with that guy? And more specifically, what do you think he's been able to sort of capture and develop within your sound? I think me and Dan have really came a long way. The first album, I was that shy kid that didn't know anything about it. You know, I just wrote the music and then I sang on it and... When it came to producing or any of the instruments, I just let him do what he does best. And then the second album, uh, I had a like a whole six words this time, um, and he'll tell you that too. He's like, he don't ever talk. But I had a little more input. And then this album, I was you know sending songs back, telling them this ain't it, we got to do this, and we've really just kind of, I think, found my sound. And we're still finding it, but we're we're getting closer and closer every time together. And I found out that not only is he a legend, but he's willing to, to listen to the artist. Um, and he's he's an amazing person, sends me voice memos all the time, and he's just a, a good soul. Now, on Saturday, you tweeted EP Incoming. Can you share any more details with me about that? I've been writing songs here in London, um, or in Europe in general, and I was actually drinking that night and <laughs> <laughs> posted EP incoming, and I've had a lot of people ask me about it, and I'm, I'm definitely going to make sure it's, it's going to happen because, you know, Sony's been asking me to write some more music. Just don't know when, but it's definitely, it's got to be soon because it's either I choose another single off this album or come with a new single, you know? Okay. So 
Just got to get in there and record it. You've been honoured multiple times as a CMT Artist of the Year. What does that recognition mean to you? It must be lovely. It's awesome to be recognised. I will say that CMT has been been great to me because you know a lot of these award shows. I at, at the beginning of my career, I mean, and now I kind of feel like I'm I'm overlooked a little bit. Uh, but I don't say anything about it anymore. I just you know I, I look at the shows as long as I can you know play my shows, sell tickets, be on the radio. I don't need a trophy. So yeah. for CMT to for CMT to recognize me, it's just it's just uh, cool and and you know amazing. And in September of last year, you played shows in Australia and New Zealand. That must have been a real a real trip, something brand new to travel so far and see people singing the words of your songs back to you. Yeah, uh, that was wild. I've never been over there before. Yeah, so as I'm going down the road to the uh, festival, we look to our left and um, there's this beautiful mountain and. Uh, like the sunrise behind it going down and there's two kangaroos sitting on top of the hill i thought it was just it was just sick wow uh but then we go and play the festival and you don't know how it's going to be over there uh just like i didn't how i didn't know it was going to be in europe my first time and just like over here it is over there they know every song you know uh all the way down your album so it was just like a fun crazy twenty-five thousand people party and, and everywhere we went was just so fun Here's the million dollar question. So with the way that you initially blew up and found an audience through posting covers of songs on social media, you know, you're now a worldwide household name, one of the biggest acts in music. What advice would you pass on now to aspiring singer-songwriters? Like I said earlier, I was always worried about what people think. Just who cares? Just be you. And that's what's going to honestly what's going to keep you going in longevity because when i when i when i first got into music i didn't care what people thought you know my my main thing was to to get likes and get shares on facebook and it's like then once i got a name like a, a little name for myself i was like okay now i want everybody to like me mm. and there's no artist there's nobody in the world that everybody likes so that kind of pushed me back to not wanting to post on social media or anything because if i saw a negative comment you know, I just shut down. So I would say just do you. Don't care what anybody thinks. Get that fan base and live life how you want to live it. Do you think that change in outlook is perhaps partially to do with now becoming a father of two daughters? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a that's a big uh a big part of it, you know, because they're the only ones that I really care what think about me. Um I want them to think, you know, I'm I'm cool and uh, a good dad. So I don't want them to ever be scared of anything. Uh, so I can't, you know, preach something I don't believe in. And you mentioned, obviously, you know, having occasional issues with maybe depression. I'm sure, you know, them coming into the world has made you, you know, that's changed your outlook too and lifted your mood. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I still get depressed sometimes, but uh, it's mainly like when I'm here and, and Kate, wasn't here i was kind of getting depressed a little bit yeah uh it would get me out you know facetiming them seeing them uh, but then when kate got here you know my whole mood changed they definitely helped me out of that mood ken listen thank you very much for giving me some time really appreciate it man uh we spoke the last time you were over here you kicked off a tour in dublin and uh yeah just a pleasure to get to speak to you again sir yeah man nice to talk to you thank you well Stuarty, another epic interview needless to say with your uh countless facts given and 
rapport with these artists built so effortlessly. And uh, and speaking of rapport with artists, we had quite a rapport with uh, a band, a trio, who's also been touring the UK, but also has links to Cian Brown. Do tell us more, Stuarty. Yeah, as you heard there in my conversation with Cian, we talked about Restless Road and I was asking him, what was it about those guys that made him want to make the investment into, you know, giving them a platform to have a career in music and develop a fan base? So perfect timing now for us to uh, segue into a conversation you and I had with Restless Road a couple of weeks ago. Hey, we're Restless Road. And you're listening to Free Rambling Men, a country music podcast. But I'm on my way, so, Zach Garrett and Colton, collectively known as Restless Road. Guys, welcome to the Free Rambling Men podcast. Thanks for, Thanks having, for us. having us, man. You're very welcome. Now, you've got a brand new single. It's called On My Way. I've literally just heard it before we hit record today. Tell us a bit about this song, how it came into your world, that sort of thing. So, this was a song we started writing a couple years ago. It was a time when uh, we were writing a lot. It was actually during uh, the shutdown period. So, we had a lot of time and I had a lot of thoughts and stuff that we were processing and I think this song kind of came from a place of it felt really easy to be hard on ourselves it felt like it was really easy to compare yourself to everybody else and feel like you're not doing enough and you're not being enough of the of who you want to be and so we wrote this song as just a reminder to ourselves that as cheesy as it sounds it's all about the journey and the process and just kind of accepting accepting that and uh yeah, so the song really came from the bottom of our hearts, and some songs we've released we write, and some we don't, and this happens to be one that we were a part of writing, and it's just really close to home for us. Yeah, yeah. speaking of which, I particularly loved your previous release, Sundown Somewhere. Now, that was written by Ben Hayslip, Jacob Rice, Cole Taylor, Cole Swindell. How did you get a hold of that one, and what was it that appealed to you about the song? Don't even know her name. But I know she's out there right We're buddies with with all those guys. Yeah. We, we've written with them or we've, we've done shows with Cole. So uh, I don't remember exactly who, but a friend had, had sent us that song. And uh, it was a demo with Cole Swindell, his vocal on it. We're big fans. And we, it was just basically an, an, a big earworm. And we couldn't get that song out of our head and we just we were just like we would love to have a song like this and play it at our show it's just so it's just so summery and fun and we we love the idea of not really knowing where your person is you know when you're when you're single you wonder i wonder what my soulmates out there doing right now or who they who they even are so it was a fun idea and just the song was so catchy and fun that we just had to do it but look you're talking about your music okay uh, you mentioned lockdown. I like going back to an artist or a band's earliest release in their discography, you know, kind of thinking about them in a timeline, okay? So what yours goes far as far back as what, February 2020, self-titled EP released about a month or so before international lockdown. Yep. Mm-hmm. Talk about timing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was honestly, <laughs> Zach and I started this band back in 2013, and um, it's been a long journey to get to this point, but... Uh, what it really kind of the doors kind of opened up for us was in uh, was during that time when we released uh, the EP and it took forever to get to that point. And then it was like, oh, yeah, we get to release music and now you get to stop for a little while. Again. <laughs> it was like a so, week. It was like a week after. Yeah, yeah. literally, I, literally, we I think we did um, 
we went to New York, we filmed a bunch of stuff, released the EP, played five shows on Kane's tour and, um, and then everything shut down. So it was, but honestly, I, I, we always try to look at the silver lining and everything. And, um, for us, we went from nobody really knowing who we were and everybody was taken to social media during the time, uh, of the pandemic and just trying to find some sort of light in all this. And we were able to really grow a, a really solid fan base during that time. And had we been out on the road, I mean, we would have gained fans, but I don't think we would have gained fans at the rapid rate that we did because of social media and everybody being on it during that time. So, I mean, we kind of just took it as we're going to take this as a blessing and we're going to figure out a way to put some good and make some good out of this. So um, I think it all ended up working out. And now this year we've got more music than ever coming out. And so it just feels really good to be in the spot that we're in right now. Well, we're inevitably going to hear a little bit more about sort of what's happened post-lockdown, right? But let's go further back, okay? Let's hear about that formation of Restless Road. It was in 2013. Uh, Colton and I were about 18 years old, and we were a part of this uh, TV show. It was called The X Factor, and we were big fans of the show and ended up getting through as individuals. And then uh, we basically, at some point in the show, we went from being individuals to forming a band. And... That's actually where, where we met Kane Brown as well. He was also a, a contestant. And originally the, the idea was to make Restless Road for people with Kane Brown being that fourth guy. Now Kane had his own ambitions and stuff. So he left the show and uh, did his own thing. We stayed on, got, we went pretty far on, on, in the competition. And after the show ended, everything went pretty right for Kane and everything went pretty wrong for us. And, um, and so for the next, I would say, you know, five or six years, we kind of struggled to, to really get our footing. You know, we had different, different members and producers and managers and trying to get different, trying to assemble a team around us, you know, here in Nashville. And, and we had a lot of things kind of fall through for us and we're, we're tough for a while, but then, you know, Luckily, I don't know. God is good, I guess, because luckily in, in 2018 or 19, uh, Colton had had touched base with Kane again. And one thing led to another, basically. And we all kind of gave it, you know, another shot. And this time with Kane on board and a part of the team. And we got to record that EP with Kane's help. And we got to record a song called Take Me Home with Kane, which really that was the four of us all singing together, which was funny because that was always the original idea back <laughs> when we started the band so it was so cool to actually it's so cool to have a song out there that actually represents what that original idea was supposed to be and uh yeah and ever since we started working with him things have just been so much better and we love Kane Brown and he's <laughs> seriously it means so much because I there's some people out there who are just in their bedroom and they go viral and they they blow up and it goes from zero to a hundred but I think for a lot of people, it, it's really important to have people in your corner who who support you and can kind of help you along the way. And Kane's definitely been that kind of a person for us, and so we're just we're just so grateful. Tell us a bit about working with producer Dan Huff and what you think you know he's been able to help bring out and develop within your sound. Yeah, I mean, when we got to work with Dan, that was kind of 
one of the huge perks of, uh, you know, getting up with Kane because him and Kane had a great relationship. Um, they've made so many great songs and records together. And uh, when we started working with Kane, we were talking about who would we get to produce. And he said, I think y'all should work with Dan Huff. And to us at that point, I mean, that was kind of a superstar producer that, you know, we never thought we'd be able to work with. So, you know, Kane definitely helped us cultivate that relationship. And uh, going in with Dan was just crazy, crazy cool because, you know, he's someone who's a great musician, great producer, but he's such a good communicator. I mean, when we went in to uh, record our songs, we, you know, he was super, super uh, open to our ideas as well. Like, you know, we didn't know what to expect working with somebody of that caliber, but it the whole process was just fantastic from start to finish, you know? He's kind of mm -hmm. like Nashville's version of Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just cool because, you know, it's like, it's hard to articulate sometimes, you know, with with what you want, you know, you would say, oh, I, I kind of like this. And he's so good about taking your ideas and kind of, you know, I like this vibe or whatever. And he can actually put it into words and tell the the band what to do. And it, it's just really incredible. So, I mean, it was just an exciting and just amazing experience working with Dan for sure. You have this great YouTube video series, Keep Your Eyes on the Road. And it's a, a great way of giving us a bit of an insight, you know, into your own lives, the challenges you're facing, and your individual personalities really come across. And I mentioned that because do you find it difficult with three lead singers, particularly with working in radio? People love the whole thing of when a track comes on, you have to be able to identify the artist within three or five seconds. How do you guys get yourselves across when all three of you are such great singers? Well, I know like when we originally started the group, that was always a big topic of discussion, like because the three lead singers kind of thing is, is more of a pop from that genre, that kind of mindset. There's always been like different lead singers in pop, but it really hadn't been done in country music. But we had this dream of of making this a reality, but people would always tell us, you know, exactly what you said, uh, that, you know, nobody on radio is going to get it because they're not going to be able to know who who's singing at what time and this and that. And then we listened to people for a long time. And uh, then when we got back together with Kane and started doing all this, we really wanted to go back to what the whole original idea of this was. And we said, you know, we're going to look at this as being a strength and not a weakness. And, um, you know, I feel like that that's one of the things that we get compliments on the most probably is the fact that, it is so unique in, in the fact that all three of us sing lead. And uh, when it's all said and done, we probably couldn't give you a straight answer on this question because I think it's something that we're, we're constantly trying to figure out and trying to evolve and trying to uh, figure out what the best method is. And we've tried, I mean, we've tried everything from keeping things super consistent where Zach takes the first verse and you hear Garrett and all of us on the chorus. And then you hear me second verse to Garrett taking a, a, the beginning of the top of the song on this new on my way. We've tried a little bit of everything. And um, this year we're going to try to come out the gate on some stuff with all of us in harmony right out the gate. Okay. So I think it's more so of just, um, it's more so just building. I, I don't look at it maybe from a song by song, basis on this kind of stuff i more look at it as building a fan base of people where where you were talking about like the vlog where people where you, where you become recognizable in all aspects of your life 
from your personal life to when you're hearing us sing to when you're meeting us to our individual style to all these things that if you build a fan base and you build enough of a following where everybody does know every piece of who you are it doesn't matter if if Zach starts it, if Garrett starts it, if I started, or if we all started in harmony, because I think at that point in time, it does become recognizable. But for new fans, I just, I just try to tell them like, stick in there and just, and just wait, because it's, it is a very unique thing that nobody's really doing right now. And you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. I don't feel like there's kind of really in between I, I feel like that on all music. I, I'm either a lover of it or I just don't really care for it. So, but I think that it's something that we're um, that we're always experimenting with, and we're always trying to figure out what the best what the best way to go about it is. Because it is a very when you have three singers, it is a definitely a a, a hard process to navigate. Sometimes. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of rappers too. When the song starts, they have the the DJ or the producer do a thing at the beginning. So we were thinking of maybe doing something <laughs> like that. Where every song just goes restless before it starts. Well, I was going to say, is there a plan? Is there a plan in place? Is there a plan in your heads even to kind of go, right, UK, Ireland, what you would like, you know, over the next sort of two, three years even, C2C, country to country, dare I say? Yeah. We would definitely. Sign us up. Yeah, yeah. sign us up. We'll be all, here anytime. All the above. But especially, I know we've been wanting to go to like C2C and like, I mean, because we have a lot of friends that have done that in the past couple of years. And that's definitely on our list of things because I think the earlier you can get over there as an artist, the better because you you build a fan base and you just continue to grow that. If you if you get over there late in your career, it's a little bit harder. If you go over there in the beginning, you really can make some genuine connections with people. So that's what we would just want to do with this trip. You released a song called Growing Old With You and Charles Kelly from Lady A was a writer and you got to perform that song with him on stage at the Opry. That must have been such a surreal moment, you know? Well, come on, baby, yeah I actually have a funny story i i remember when i was coming to nashville when i was way younger i was probably like 16 and and uh i went to some like cafe and i remember charles kelly was there i was just so scared to talk to him because i was like this guy's you know he's in this huge band and it's just something you know that's just crazy and then the fact that years later you know all these full circle moments happen but i always think back to that because that was such a funny moment for me you know when we were on stage i couldn't help but think wow i, I can't believe like eight years ago i saw this dude at a restaurant and i was scared to talk to him <laughs> and he, he has probably one of our favorite voices i mean yeah. his voice is like unlike any other and when he gets on stage with you it makes it a little intimidating because he's such a good singer, but I think it was just such a really daggone special moment that we'll probably never forget. I mean, it's, it was really cool because I remember um, when we first got that song, come to find out a little bit later, Charles and, and Lady A were like, if y'all don't, if this doesn't go to radio, we're cutting like, it we're and we're it. taking <laughs> it to radio. So, I mean, he was, he was very excited when we cut it and, um, because we brought something a little bit different to it. And it was just, honestly, it was just really special to have him on stage at the, and especially at the Opry. I mean, anytime you can do anything at the Opry, it's awesome. But anytime you can create a moment like that on the Opry stage, it just makes it that much more special. Maybe like three, four, five-year plan. What are we talking for Restless Road here? What's, what's, the, what's the dream? Let's live it out here, guys, in this conversation, this space. I would hope. I would albums. Hope that, a couple, I would, maybe a couple albums. Uh, 
two. I would love to two, have our three albums. You know, I would love to have our own international tour, like the Restless Road World Tour. That would be freaking five years. Like we can do it. We can do that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, 3D movie. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. The Restless Road 3D concert. Movie. I think we we always talk about this, but I think we really want to we want to do a documentary because like it would take we could sit here for four hours and it would take forever to tell like the ins and outs and of our story and how everything happened and it is really crazy so we've always said we need a documentary so that people actually know the full story because every now and then we get to tell it but it doesn't happen that often so a documentary for sure is well give us give us one little nugget that would go into the documentary that uh that maybe people don't know about restless road what's something give us a little secret for the free rambling man podcast that we can we can put out there to the to the world about restless Um, road Restless Road's the name that we chose, but the runner-up was called Haywire. Was, was Haywire. <laughs> Haywire. So I think we can all sleep at night a little better knowing that we're not called Haywire. 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 Nice, and you've nice. seen the logo. The logo was it wasn't even like real hay. It like looked like just like this weird straw that like went out at the top with barbed wire oh, all the way around. Right. It was I, I wasn't horrible. there for that, but I'm assuming I was like there had to be some barbed horrible, wire. Horrible, so. horrible. <laughs> you see really that? I love that. I love that he was just pleading ignorance in the middle. He was just like, no, no, no. I don't do it. By the way, I wasn't part of that. That wasn't, I, I wasn't a part of Haywire. <laughs> Guys, listen, thanks so much for your time. You've been very generous with it and uh, continued success and good luck with the UK and European run. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I appreciate We're it. so excited. Congratulations to um, Garrett Scott Nichols. I followed him on Instagram and then I saw that he's getting married to... Uh, I can only assume is the love of his life. So congratulations, Garrett. Um, but the lads were uh, now looking back on the interview some weeks later. Lovely group of lads. And I really wish them every success, you know. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us on freeramblingmen at gmail.com. And if you want to give us a follow or some support, we are at freeramblingmen on Instagram and Twitter. Stuart, I've been pushing the Instagram more. Forgive me. But Stuart can also be found on those platforms at Stuart underscore Banford on Instagram. And at Stuart Bamford on Twitter, I am at the John Care on any and just about everything that you can imagine. It's time to call the day and mosey on out of town. But the reality is that we're both recording this podcast in our respective homes. So really, I'm about to stick a load of washing on. <laughs> and I'm going to go to Nando's. Keep rambling free. I've looked at the left of me here. And I've just picked up this uh, this minute timer. I never knew we had this in the house, you know. That's actually what they use to train commercial radio presenters, but it's not a minute, it's 30 seconds. And then the alarm goes off. <laughs> <laughs>